So we're in a new series this morning. So we just finished our prayer series over the last number of weeks. So over the summer months, we're going to be in the Gospel of John. So we take 21 sermons and go through the 21 chapters of that. So we preach in morning and night, and that'll take us through the whole summer. Crazy to think that we're talking summer already. But that's what will be John, the Gospel of John. So it might be helpful for you to go home or over the next few days or weeks just to read through that entire book in one sitting so that you kind of know where we're going with our sermon series as we work our way through this. So 2007 was to be the launch of one of the most famous music festivals that was ever to be seen, a one-of-a-time new music festival called Fire Festival. Fire Festival was billed and claimed to be the most luxurious festival that the world would ever have seen. It claimed to be a cultural experience of the decade. It boasted, get this, it boasted a festival where you could get to go to a private island in the Bahamas. That sounds good. It boasted VIP access to everyone who goes to this festival. It boasted luxurious fillers, the most expensive coming in at $400,000. It boasted top, the top chef's of the world. You could go to those top chefs, they could cook you whatever you wanted, and you got to share that experience with other celebs and other famous people. You got to go to the festival on private jets. You had your own private yacht. You had helicopter rides for everyone on the island. Tickets for this festival started at $1,000 and made their way all up to $250,000. So that's a quarter of a million dollars. And people actually spent a quarter of a million dollars to go to this five-day music festival event. Sounds great. They made massive claims. There was a storm all over social media and so much hype all about this. But if you know the story, you know that this is one of the, the biggest PR disasters of recent times. The problem started with the simple issue of They hadn't even got a private island booked by the time the sales went on for these tickets. So people are spending massive amounts of money and they hadn't even got a private island sorted. Another problem they had is they only gave themselves six weeks to plan this event, which probably should have taken at least a year. Whenever the tickets did go on sale and people actually started paying for the event, they actually realized whenever they did get a private island, the private island was too small. Then they realized that they had no way to get the people onto the private island. They realized that even if they could get people on the private island, there wasn't enough toilets, there wasn't enough fresh drinking water, there wasn't enough luxury accommodation. In fact, there was no luxury accommodation. If you turned up, if you were crazy enough to have spent 1000 or up to a quarter of a million dollars, here's what you got when you came. This is basically a hurricane relief tent, that's what you got. There was no luxury food. There was no luxury chefs. Instead, you got this. Yum, yum. And it was that, but this isn't, I'm not even making this up. I'm not even making this up. That picture brought down the entire event. So that went out on Twitter and it brought down the entire event. What's the lesson? The lesson is this. If you're going to make big claims, you need to be able to back them up. If you're going to make big claims, you need to be able to deliver on them. Why are we talking about a music festival? It was a complete PR disaster. Because we come to John chapter 1, and John chapter 1 makes some of the most epic, massive, huge claims. Like, we're only going to read a few verses of this, but if you read the entire chapter, like, this is huge claims at the very start. And John, 
who's writing this eyewitness account cannot wait to get into the massive claims of what Jesus really is like. So here we are, John chapter one, starting at first one. In the beginning, the word already existed. Can you get your head around that? There's claim one, like we're only a few words in. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God. The word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. Verse 10, he came into the very world that he created but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own, but even his own rejected him. But to all who believe in him and accept him, he gave the right to become children of God. They were, re they were reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human and made his home among us. And he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. John chapter one, everyone. I think we need to pray, and then we'll unpack this glorious, powerful passage together. God, thank you so much for your word. There are so much in these verses, so much heavy, heavy theology. But God, we pray this morning that you by your spirit will come, you will open our eyes, our ears, our hearts to your truth. And as we leave this morning, help us to have a better understanding of who you are. Not a better theological understanding, that might be good, but a better heart knowledge of who you are. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will come. Do your work, speak powerfully into our lives. Help me as I preach this. Help me to do some justice to these powerful massive claims of who you are. I see things in your name and everyone said, amen. Doesn't John 1 sound an awful lot like some other book that we've maybe read before? So if you kind of read, in fact, you don't even have to get very far into the Bible to discover which book it sounds like. So in Genesis chapter 1, it sounds very much like John chapter 1. They both talk about beginnings or they both talk about origins. So in John chapter 1, it says, in the beginning, the word already existed. Genesis chapter 1 says, in the beginning, God. Those are massive claims. Here's what one theologian says. This is R. Kent Hughes. He says this, in the beginning, God existed in plural unity as the Holy Trinity. In the beginning, God was existing from eternity to eternity. In the beginning was God, before there was as much as a material atom of the cosmos. Then God created everything there is. What does that mean? Anyone tracking with that? Everyone full? Everyone going, I, I really understand what's going on there. This is heavy stuff. Like this is the 1030. This is heavy for a Sunday morning service. Mark, my Rice Krispies haven't even digested this morning, and we're talking pre-existence of God. We're talking about in the beginning. We're talking about before time. We're talking about the Trinity. We're talking theology in the morning service. But John, in chapter one, wants to blow our theological minds. John wants to overload our tiny, created minds with the fastness 
of God, with the truth of God, with the wonder, with the awe, with the majesty, with the I can't even get my head round it of God. You might say this morning, I don't understand the Trinity, this Father, Son, Holy Spirit stuff. I'm not sure I understand that either. You may be saying, as I read John 1 along with you, Mark, I'm not sure that I understand what that's about. Just be thankful you're not preaching it twice on a Sunday morning is all I'm going to say. I'm not sure I fully understand and fully grasp the majesty, the wonder, the awe of what is going on in this passage. I'm not even sure we're supposed to. I think we're supposed to just be blown away with the greatness and the fastness of who God is. One thing I do note is that God created this world. He created everything in it. He didn't have to, but he did. He created every human being. He didn't have to, but he did. And it wasn't like God was bored in heaven one day. It wasn't like Father, Son, and Holy Spirit needed something else to complete them or make them whole, and they decided, do you know what? I need a Mark Brown in my life. I need a Willowfield congregation in my life. I, I, I know God didn't think that. God created the world, everything in it, because of his love. By his word, he creates life, all of life. By his word, he creates light, all of light. The stars, Jesus did that. The galaxies, Jesus did that. The fast mountain ranges, Jesus simply spoke it, and it was. He didn't have to go to DIY store. He just spoke it and it was. Every ocean, every lake, every river. You know the things that we're filling with our plastic at the minute? Well, before we started to destroy the world, God made that world. He made it perfect. You know every sunset you've seen, every cloud, every animal, every raindrop, every variety of plant, every atom, every molecule, every DNA strand, every human being of every age, of every stage, of every ability, of every color, of everywhere in the entire world. God made it and he did it in love. And the reason he did it was so that he could communicate with us so that he could communicate his love, so that he could communicate his love and that we could enjoy him forever. And that blows my mind. I think that blows my mind more than what was there in the beginning and what does that mean? Because I can't even get, we do not get our heads around start dates and end dates or what happened before those start dates or what happens after those end dates. But I think the thing is, I study, I, I spent all day Monday trying to get my head around this. And I just had to walk away from my study because I just, I, I just couldn't get my head around this. And I had no idea what I was going to say to you nice people on a Sunday morning. Walked away, came back the next day, and the thing that I felt God really blew my head with is the fact that he has made us so that we get to know him and we get to enjoy him. I love this version of Psalm 8. This is called the Passion Translation of Psalm 8. Look at the splendor of your skies. Your creative genius glowing in the heavens. When I gaze at the moon and the stars mounted like jewels in their setting, I know that you are the fascinating artist who fashioned it all. But when I look up and see such wonders and workmanship above, I have to ask the question, first four, compared to all this cosmic glory, why would you bother with puny mortal humanity? And that is humbling 
but it is powerful and it is beautiful. The answer, why did God create you and me? Because of his love. He wanted to communicate his love with you and me. Our words are used to communicate, to convey truth. Our words describe who we are, what we're about. Our words are used to communicate our deepest sense of love, our deepest sense of whatever. We use our words to communicate truth. Well, the claim that John is making in this chapter is that God uses Jesus to communicate who he is. So if you want to know who God is, then you need to understand who Jesus is. If you want to have a relationship with God, then you need to have a relationship through Jesus. To know God and to understand God, you need to know Jesus and you need to understand Jesus. In fact, the Greek that's used for, for word in this passage is the word logos. And from that word logos is where we get our word logic from. So here's what John's massive claim is. If you want to get the logic of God, you need to know Jesus. You need to get Jesus. And John is going to spend 21 chapters, 21 amazing chapters telling us exactly who Jesus is. He's going to do it in a couple of ways. He's going to do it through seven signs. He's going to do it through seven I am's as well. So the seven I am statements that he will use, Jesus will say that he is the bread of life. Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the door. Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The seven signs, Jesus will change water into wine. We'll look at that tonight. Jesus heals a royal official's son. Jesus heals a paralytic. Jesus feeds 5,000 with five loaves and two tons of tuna. He will walk on water. He will heal a blind man. He will raise someone from the dead. Jesus is amazing. And Jesus communicates who God is. And those seven signs and those seven statements are amazing. They are massive, but they are not life-changing. They are not life-transforming. They are not true if Jesus is anything less than God. If Jesus is anything less than God, if Jesus is not the beginning and the end, if Jesus is not from everlasting to everlasting, if Jesus is not the pre-existent creator and sustainer of all things in the entire cosmos, if Jesus is not that, then John's gospel is not good news. This is fake news. This is the worst news. This is the worst PR disaster the world has ever seen. But if... Jesus is who he claims to be, then we should take great comfort from these verses. We should have great confidence as we step into this week because God is full of might. He is full of power. He is full of strength. Isaiah 55 says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So when you feel overwhelmed and when you feel overpowered by your circumstances, you need to remember that God is not overwhelmed and God is not overpowered by your circumstance. He is bigger than anything that you will ever, ever face in your life. And here's the beautiful thing about this passage. That would be amazing if God was way, way up there in the sky. This would still be a phenomenal chapter if God was way, way up there in the clouds. 
But here's what this chapter is saying in verse 14. He didn't stay way, way up there in the clouds detached from you and me. Verse 14, the Word became flesh and made His home, made His dwelling among us. So this world, He made His home in this world. I read this from Sam Storms. This is so powerful. It says this, the Word became flesh. God became human. The invisible became visible. The untouchable became touchable. Eternal life experienced temporal death. The transcendent one descended and drew near. The unlimited one became limited. The finite became, the infinite became finite. The immutable became mutable. The unbreakable became fragile. Spirit became matter. Eternity entered time. The independent became dependent. The, might, the almighty became weak. The loved became the hated, the exalted, the humble. Glory was subject to shame. Fame turned into obscurity. From inexpressible joy to tears of unimaginable grief. From the throne to a cross. It is into our darkness. It is into our brokenness. It is into our mess. It is into our shattered dreams. It is into our disappointments. It is into our hurts and our pains and our tears and our frustrations and our waitings. It's into those moments that God actually, physically, literally stepped. He didn't run from you. He ran towards you. He didn't run from your mess. He came to your mess to embrace you in whatever your mess is. He has come to breathe life. He has come to bring light. He has come to bring hope. He is the answer. He is great. He is good. He is majestic. He is whatever word you want to use to describe him, but he is here in the person of the Holy Spirit. He lives, he dwells within us. Here's what Tozer says. This I end. Here's the hope that we need to take from chapter one. Anything, anything God has ever done, he can do now. Anything God has ever done anywhere, he can do so here. Anything God has ever done for anyone, he can do for you. So we need to know this week, as we step into this week, that God has already stepped into our world. He has already stepped into our life. He goes before us. You are not alone this week. God, the creator, get your head around that. God, the creator of all things, of the entire universe, of all galaxies, of everything who at this moment is by his word sustaining and holding all things together for his own glory, steps into our world. And then through the person of the Holy Spirit lives and dwells within us. That's your hope this week. That's your confidence this week. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. God, we do want to be people that have such a massive view of who you are. Because often in our lives, we have such massive views and opinions of ourself. And there is so little place for you in our world, in our ego, in our pride. But God, we just pray that the likes of this passage in John chapter one this morning will just humble us, humble us. But God, we thank you that in your love, you came into this earth to give us hope. God, we praise you, we love you, we adore you. Help us to apply this message. In your name we ask, amen.